Today on MVP, we'll be chatting with serial entrepreneur Anthony Frazier. The Newark native will be diving into what it takes to build a company from scratch, the pertinent rise of podcasts, and how emerging founders can avoid dumbing down their greatness. Hey, Anthony, welcome to the MVP podcast. I appreciate you showing up for me and taking some time out of your day to talk with me today. How's your day going so far? Oh, the day's going well, you know, besides the, you know, the rain over here. (laughs) Everything is going well, you know. Um, I'm loving, I'm just loving life, you know, loving every day I'm on this earth. I feel that. The weather is finally breaking in Chicago. Um, so I'm grateful for that because I was tired. Yeah, tired. y'all been, y'all been tired. <laughs> I was y'all tired been, of this. I was like, like why am I doing this to winter. myself? I need to, I need to be careful complaining about winter. Right until too, until you hit, get hit with that polar vortex and it's negative twenty four <laughs> degrees. It's gonna oh, it'll humble you real vortex. quick. Exactly. I'm gonna let y'all have that. Y'all have to keep that. Like. <laughs> But I'll be making it out your way this summer and um, back down to Florida with my family and everything. So it's all good. I'll make up for it. Um, But, yeah, thanks again for being here. I just wanted to kind of take some time to talk about your background, everything that you previously worked on, as well as um, what you're working on right now. And I know it's been a – I mean, we've known each other for a minute, like – I think I met you during my Blurdology days when I was doing hackathons all over the place. And um, you had just finished New Me, I think. And, um, you know, I don't know if that was kind of your start in tech, but that was like my first introduction to you. So, you know, if you could kind of tell the, the listeners like what that experience was like participating in New Me and being one of the pioneering participants of that accelerator and how that impacted your journey as an entrepreneur. Um, I definitely was, I would say I was, um, I was definitely on my grind, um, before New Me. Um, I was, I was out there, I was making it happen to the best of my ability. Um, I would say when New Me came up, um, uh, it put things in, in high gear because, the, the crazy part about New Me is like, even though people like to throw the word pioneer on us and things of that nature, we were very, like a lot of people in that cohort were still like really green. You know, we were really like super new to entrepreneurship. Even though I've been grinding, I didn't know much. You know, New Me kind of was the learning process. So people got a chance to kind of see what our school was like. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like having a camera on while you're in school. And so uh, it was a good experience. You know, I think um, me, you know, I compare it almost to like my experience of moving from the hood to the suburbs. You know what I'm saying? When I was when I was living in Newark, I was growing up in Newark, and the world was just those four blocks. The world wasn't really much bigger than those four blocks where I grew up. But then when my mother moved me a little bit outside of Newark, then I, you know, I was in the suburbs. That's when I, the world opened up to me. And I was like, wow, like, what's going on? It's a whole new world. Like, it's not just those four blocks. I compare my experience to, at New Me almost in the same way where I kind of, when I treated entrepreneurship a certain way, I treated entrepreneurship like those four blocks. 
you know what I'm saying? I was restricted. I didn't really know it was a world outside of the world that I was in. And then when I got to New Me, I got that same fish out of the water, you know, experience where I was like, wow, like this is a huge world. This is, you know, not everything's right in this world, <laughs> but it, it was great to to get that experience. And so I'm forever grateful for it. And do you feel like that was like a catalyst or like it set the foundation for your, you know, the rest of your journey in entrepreneurship or? Most, most definitely. Most definitely. I wouldn't be the person I am today without the experience that I had um, in New Me, you know. And so all the credit goes to, you know, Angela Benton and Wayne Sutton, um, who were, you know, significant um, I would say, uh, people in my life at that time, as far as like putting new me together. And so, um, I'm forever grateful, uh, for that experience. And yeah, it definitely laid, I would say it definitely laid the groundwork. I mean, I don't think you, like you said, you wouldn't even know about me had I not done that, you know? And so that's opened a lot of doors for me, um, more than they, I think more than they actually realize. And, you know, not everybody, is going to use the opportunity the same way. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, there were a lot of people in that class, you know, and there's some people in that class that are wildly successful right now. Chris Bennett, who wasn't even on the show, but he was in the new me cohort with us. Uh, he has a company called Wonder Schools, which is doing phenomenal. And I'm all, I'm yeah, I remember he had, a, he had another startup. What was that? Was he, I think it was Soltsy? Soltsy? Soltsy, yeah. And before that, it was called something else. But like just looking at people like that, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, there were so many others, you know. Um, there's one guy who escapes me. His name was Curtis. Curtis Pope uh, was another uh, founder in that cohort. And I think he had got built a company that got acquired as well and so like yeah there was some people that wasn't even really on the tv show um who were doing phenomenal things so it was just a really good i think people didn't really know the scope of what knew me was outside of what that show that show had revealed but the, it was much bigger than an hour of television it was a lot deeper than that. So with that said, would you recommend, like in your opinion, would you recommend that all black and brown founders like look into at least exploring an accelerator or incubator if they're thinking about starting um, up? Well, you know what? That's a that's an interesting question. I think if we were in 2011 again, sure. I think the way what an accelerator is today isn't what an accelerator was then. In what regard? Um, I just think it's different. You know, if you look at a lot of companies now, the the barrier to entry, they call it a startup, but the barrier to entry is very high. You know, some of these some of these uh, programs, they say they'll take a founder who doesn't have a co-founder, doesn't have a team. They say they'll take somebody who just has an idea. They say they'll take somebody who, they say all these things, but at the end of the day, if you really look at who's getting into these accelerators, it's usually people who have some technical people on the team. Maybe they were former founders. Maybe they already have a, a good, significant amount of traction. You know, formerly of Facebook, formerly of LinkedIn, formerly of Pinterest. 
You get a lot of that. Formally of Google. You get a lot of that. And if you weren't formally, you got some kind of traction or you got... So the barrier to entry, like, to me, I think for people of color in particular is real high. It's still high. It's been high. But now the goal line is getting pushed even further because how are we going to make the networks? How are we going to meet those kind of people? And I'm speaking from a, a general point of view. You know, when you think about, when I generally think about, um, you know, people of color, especially from underserved areas, because I know there's a difference. You know, when I talk about people of color, especially from these underrepresented groups and underserved areas, you know, we, we, we don't have access to a slew of technical talent like that. You know what I'm saying? And so I see that changing, but it's changing slowly. You know, Atlanta looks promising, um, but, you know, there's, 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 it just we just haven't gotten there yet. You know, you know. I think the most difficult part about that is like, you know, like I, I know plenty of people who are either in school for like CS or who, you know, identify as engineers or whatever. But like finding someone who wants to work on your project at the same time as you. <laughs> Uh, and who has the availability because like sometimes people just aren't interested in your project like they have all the skills we don't have enough humble people that's true we don't got enough humble people i'm I'm gonna tell you why you know because everybody and i hate to sound like one of them old heads go ahead somebody gotta say somebody gotta say it and you know the old saying is too many chiefs and not enough Indians, right? I think that's that's the that's something that, you know, I think we, we just the other day a dude came up to me and was like, Yo, he didn't say these exact words, but I'm paraphrasing. But he basically was saying, Drop everything you're doing and come under me. And how did you react to that? I mean, I can guess, but I'm gonna let you tell it. <laughs> I mean, I felt First of all, I mean, it was a lot of different emotions. You know, I'm really cool about it. But it was somebody who didn't really have anything to show. It was somebody who just, just a person with a vision, with no, but not a lot of execution. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the point I'm trying to make, where you got this person who has all this vision, not enough execution, but in his mind, he's a leader. In his mind, he deserves to be in that spot. But he hasn't done anything to serve. And do you think that is a cultural thing? Is that like a black culture thing? Is that amongst everybody? Is that? Um, well, I think it might be amongst other groups, but I'm only specific in talking about us right now. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. I can't tell you, I can't really talk about it. Maybe it is a reality in other groups. But I think in, when we're talking about, you know, a lot of black front, and my, and my experience may be anecdotal. I don't know. I will let the listeners let me know that. But, you know, but for me, I think it's a lot of people who, you know, I think Devon Franklin said it best. He was like, you got to carry the crown before you can wear one. And I just think that I've carried a lot of crowns for me to feel like I can wear one right now. You know what I'm saying? And, and build my empire and do what I want to do. I've been a man of service. I'm a serving leader. I'm a servant leader. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mind rolling up my sleeves and helping somebody. I've done a lot of that my whole career. You know, where I've, you know, sat back to the side and created lanes for other people to make connections 
created um, lanes for other people to raise money, created lanes for other people to build their startup and get customers. This is a large part of what I've been doing all my all my career in this industry. And so, you know, I do take offense if somebody was to say, like, yo, drop everything, especially from somebody who hasn't done that. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, we get a lot like of how that. Are gonna ask, how are you going to ask that of me when you haven't done that yourself? Yeah, exactly. I need to see some evidence. First of all, it's gonna be a no anyway, because that. But that's but that's the reason why I know somebody doesn't have leadership qualities. Why are you trying to recruit an entrepreneur? Better go get an MBA student. You know. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you trying to recruit? Because in your mind, you see a hustler and you think, well, you don't want to recruit me. You just want to ride my wave. <laughs> Do you? Th- I mean, is. I think that's another thing. I mean, we hear about like. I feel like one of the young people saying clout chasing, but yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go to somebody who is running a company. <laughs> I mean, like I'm not going to go to somebody who I know will compete with me, you know, and not in a good way either. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm leading this shit, like why would I hand over the keys and, and you know, so that's just something that's just really annoying because the, I'm I'm pointing out this one person, but it's something I've seen time and time again with other situations, other founders, where we don't have enough people willing to put in the skin and put and, and learn something before they, you know, really, you know, go out there and do it. But you know, at the same time, there's more than one way to be successful. So. I'm not trying to say that this is the only way to be successful, but this is the way I know. Well, you know, I don't, I don't get that impression that's what you're saying at whatsoever. I think, I think people more so than like people need to learn about startups and building something from the ground up, like a big part of becoming an entrepreneur or just building anything is a willingness to serve and a willingness to put in the groundwork. And if you're willing to do that, if you, you want to keep skipping those processes, I'm not sure how far you're going to get. Like, I've seen a few people skip skip those steps, but very seldomly. And I mean that across every industry, across every business. Like, I, I just haven't seen it done. And, and maybe it happens, but, I mean, it's beyond me. So, I, I mean, I guess that, yeah. that kind of leads to my, my next question for you is, do you think... Mm-hmm you know, servitude and, you know, humility is a big part of, you know, starting over or reinventing yourself. I mean, you as a serial entrepreneur, you've launched a bunch of ventures. And, you know, I don't know how you felt when you departed for those adventures or the circumstances you left them under. But I feel like, you know, you've had several lives all within, like, tech and tech media. Um, And do you think a big part of being able to transition to those next ventures is about your it has to do with your attitudes regarding servitude service humility and a willingness to kind of start from the ground floor yeah <laughs> uh yes yes to sum it up <laughs> you gotta be so humble that's that's you gotta be you gotta be willing to fail out here and you gotta know why you're doing it and and it's 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 not easy. It's not easy. You know, I took I've taken some L's that 
has, you know, I'm still cleaning up some of the L's I'm taking. You know what I'm saying? Three, four, five years later. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what entrepreneurship is a risk. I think we don't talk about that enough. Like, this thing is not... This is not shit like, ain't sweet. I think, people, <laughs> I think people think about entrepreneurship since it's so trendy to talk about on Instagram. Put a CEO in your, your bio on social media. It's so easy to do that. But I think that people don't really understand that this thing is risky. Like, this isn't something where, like, oh, snap, I got this great idea and it starts to work. There are people who get lucky. So I'm not going to sit up here and say there aren't people who get. There's a few people who can, who, who it works like that for. But the odds of that being you <laughs> is like slim to none. So get used to taking some L's. Get used to. The, the key is to not look at your L's as losses, but to look at your L's as lessons. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, that I think that was my biggest thing, like, willing to, to learn a lesson and willing, like you said, willing to humble yourself. Like, yo, if I have to, you know, serve a little bit, you know, work with somebody else, learn a little bit, start the ground floor. Like, when I did this new business, I started from the ground floor. Like, I didn't know nobody. I didn't, yo, nobody helped me. You know what I'm saying? I think it made, I think people assume people helped me because at, at how I was able to make certain kind of connections so quick and so fast. But that those things came from the elves. <laughs> I mean, like, a big part a of it comes of from, like, just knowing, like, I fucked this up before, <laughs> so I know I need to know this differently, and, and this is how I can get there a little bit faster. Exactly. That's it. You, and it's only one way to know how to be that resourceful is by just getting out there and doing. That's how you learn. Like, I, I figured out how to get things off the ground so quickly and be resourceful so quickly is because I come from a place where, yo, we didn't have much money, and I failed a lot early in my career so i was able to learn very quickly from those else and not only that i gained a lot of network in on that on my way there so i was able to leverage a lot of not just the knowledge and the resourcefulness that i've learned from those experiences but i was also able to leverage some of the connections i made from those experiences you know so it's 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 really just like I mean, you really never really start from the ground up when you keep building. That's why they always say it's a marathon. I know we talk about Nipsey Hussle uh, a lot because of his untimely death. But, you know, there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. Like, if you keep going, you really don't start from the bottom. You can leverage, you know, you know how people build stuff from the junkyard? You know, you know how, you know, to do who built uh, and Back to the Future, my man built that time machine from parts from the junkyard. Like, we all got our junkyards. And 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 to be honest, you don't really start from the bottom because you got a whole bunch of pieces to work with now. You know what I'm saying? So you could concoct something brand new from all the leftover scraps from whatever else you, you, you tried to do in your life. And so, you know, that jump that yard is never empty it's only empty when you just it's only empty if you never start 
So if you want to start filling that yard up, the only way to do that is just to start and not be afraid to fail. I was telling my homeboy the other day, we were having a, a conversation about just starting from the bottom and like, you know, being in your 30s, you know, you won't have these new ideas, these ideas for ventures and things like that. And you want to start over. And, but you, in your 30s, you're tired. You think about, <laughs> you know, I got to start saving. <laughs> like, I, I already failed at this venture. I don't know if I want to do this again. And, and you know, I was like, the good thing about, like, starting from the bottom or starting from scratch is it's going to push you into one of two directions, right? Like, you are either are going to go like in the direction of desperation where you're you're scrapping and you're just you know you're making impulsive decisions based on your 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 fear and your worry or it's going to make you resourceful as fuck like you're going to get really really resilient and you're going to be like okay I have to be crafty about my next move because I I can't afford to fail like I did in the past and you start thinking strategically about like how I'm going to do this thing a little bit differently a little bit quicker a little bit smarter than I did it the last time. Yeah. I think, you know, and if I have to say one thing that I not necessarily regret, but, like, is, you know, if if you're a person who's 30 years old and or even young, even if you're 20, you know, one thing I didn't have, you know, getting into entrepreneurship was a lot of financial education. You know, um, I didn't really have a lot of foundation in that area. You know what I'm saying? So I was spending money, not budgeting, not being, you know, responsible financially, you know, not, not you know, handling tax stuff correctly, not, you know, learning how to build, correct, build credit efficiently. Like, these are things that um, when we hear about the grind, the hustle, and the bustle, and all this different stuff, Nobody's ever talking about that, but that's a reality, you know, because it's a part that that's not sexy. It's not really a sexy part of entrepreneurship. Um, but I definitely think that as you get older, you got to start really thinking about those things because you you want to get an apartment, you want to make sure you can get a house, you want to make sure like it's so much stuff. When you start getting a little older, now you got to start thinking about your family, your kids. If you don't have any already. You got to think about when you want to have them um, and how, how they're going to be financially set up. You know, things of that nature. So that's where the humbling part comes in. Because the more older you get, the more you're going to have to really humble yourself to the reality of life as if you're an entrepreneur. That's not to say you can't do it, but you don't throw out everything. You know, I think it's irresponsible for somebody to give that kind of advice to someone who doesn't have a golden parachute, you know what I'm saying? And so just think about your financial well-being, your financial health, and what it's going to take. If that means you got to work a job while you hustle, yo, that might be just what you got to do, you know what I'm saying? But you got to realize, yo, you know, this is just this is part of life. Do you think that a lot of these, like, social media influencers, like, I don't want to pinpoint Gary Vee or anything about it, but just using him is because, like, he's, he's such a prominent figure. But, like, those people who are like, oh, you got to hustle, you got to grind, don't sleep. Do you think that is healthy or healthy or harmful for, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs? Like, that energy of, like, it's almost like to- um, toxic positivity or toxic hustle. I mean, I think sometimes we don't, 
I think the thing about Gary V is a lot of people don't understand Gary V. Um, I think people think Gary V, to hustle like Gary V is to mimic his social media activity. So the hustler Gary V is different from the social media Gary V. I think they're two different people. I think he's the same person, no doubt. Like, he's not fake. But I think that sometimes when people see, like, 10 or 11 posts go up in one day, they don't understand Gary Vaynerchuk has a team. Yeah, he might be responding to things, but if you don't think this man got a team of at least five or more people. Creating content for him round the clock. Round the clock. Like, but people are competing with that. That's the whole point. Like, you know, people are competing, literally competing. Uh, One person is trying to do that. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? And is that healthy? Hell no. The hustler side of everything, the message about, you know, look, and I think Alexis Ohanian is is a big uh, opponent on this. Hustle porn. That's the word that they call in it now. And I'm against hustle porn, yo. I'm I'm a, I'm fully against it. As somebody who look, I had an anxiety attack almost a year ago. You know what I mean? Thank God I was able to go get over that, but that was scary for me. No, nah, that's not cool. You know what I mean? Get your rest in. Start meditating. Adopt some healthy habits for yourself. Sleep six, you know, eight hours or whatever. Get your sleep in. Like. You know, are there going to be some times where you might hustle and you got to beat deadlines and you might lose a little sleep? Sure. But to live a lifestyle like that, where you're doing that 24-7 all week? No. That's not healthy. Don't mimic that. Trust me. (laughs) Do not mimic that. If you try to do that, it's definitely not worth it. It's definitely not worth it. So kind of take it from me. So kind of touching on, well, first, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad that you've come on the other side of that and you were able to find ways to cope with that and, um, you know, come through that. And, you know, and speaking on, like, hustle porn and, and content that's being created out there, I know you've just transitioned into the podcast space. I know you've been in media for a while, but you recently started, like, ABF Creative, which makes branded podcasts for multicultural audiences. So, you know, what made you decide to take the leap into podcasts in particular? Um, I like storytelling. You know, like, before I before I dropped out of school, I was in, my major was um, television production. You know, I had this big dream of going to NYU film school and, you know, making movies, whether, whether that be, you know, me being a writer or, producer, director, maybe even an actor, you know, like just to me, I just love every part of the storytelling process and I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted it. And then slowly over time, you know, my interest um, kind of moved towards tech and interactive entertainment and things of that nature. But when I saw the podcast industry kind of um, inching back, um, I was like, yo, like, this is interesting. Like, this, I think I can get back into the storytelling business, you know, and I see, you know, I see podcasts as a, as a Trojan horse to much bigger things. Um, so, you know, that's what made me want to get into it. And not only that, 
but I didn't really hear too many multicultural voices on narratives being told. Um, I hear a lot of interviews. I hear a lot of people talking about Cardi B. I hear a lot of talks about what's going on in the news. But I don't really hear to talk about our stories. And so, you know, I, I love interview podcasts and I'm doing those. You know, I have like one of them out right now with Prudential called Leaders Create Leads. But my ultimate goal for this company is to be a very big storytelling company. So that's what you can expect from us and expect from me uh, with this company. Okay. So, I, I mean, I actually, and I know this is kind of ironic that I'm like hosting the podcast right now, but I don't really know shit about <laughs> podcasts. Like I just started getting into podcasts. I, I honestly feel like I was like living in like a bit of like a, like a vortex for the past four or five years, like just building apps and just working on assorted projects. And I, I wasn't making time for any type of like media entertainment or anything like that so I've like in the past probably year I've started to really like develop like a playlist of like my favorite podcast and I just kind of decided to take a leap myself but you know I'm still green on like learning like what podcast industry has in store so but I'm starting to see more and more articles about like acquisitions you know companies like you know, Spotify is aggressively acquiring companies like every other month um you know different podcast networks and things are getting acquired so you know what should we be looking at for those who are green to the industry those who are rookies who who don't know much who are just kind of listeners out here what should we be looking from or taking away from these moves and what should we be looking out for in regards to the future of the podcast industry um to me i think as far as like what i think i think it's all about narratives moving forward the line between and quality. Like, I think the people who can tell the best stories are going to be the winners. Like, that's who's winning now. If you want to, if, if you really want to look at who's winning, it's the people who know how to tell stories. That's who's winning. Don't get me wrong, you get a joke button, you get, um, you get a few people who are, like, but that's where the acquisitions are being bought because there's, there's value in intellectual property. And so when you learn how to do that, that's when you make yourself very, very uh, valuable. Now, on the flip side, if I'm somebody with my own podcast and I'm interviewing people, like, and I'm and I want to do, I would just figure out ways to. I would I would say what I, what to look out for is the trends. Find slowly over time. Don't try to be one of those people who add new things every week, like. Go slow, like, get some feedback. Learn, like, yo, like, how do I, you know, progressively make my show better? Hone your craft, you know, as an interviewer. I think these are great questions that you're asking. Like, continue to hone your craft. Continue to become a great um, interviewer who can who could bring the best out of people. You know what I mean? Like, things like that. Like, that's those are all really important things that make it overlooked. Um, if you're a podcaster, because a lot of people are just trying to look for like the big break or whatever like that and getting on the biggest distribution network and like, those are cool things, but the content is always going to win at the end of the day, you know? And so if you got that great content, you're going to win. 
The other thing is distribution. I think that's the key right now in podcasts is developing your own distribution. I hate to use this comparison, but it, you know, when I when you look at movies like Frank Lucas, you know, like uh, when you look like American Gangster, you look at like all these different, you know, um, <laughs> illegal drug movies. A, a, a large part is due to distribution. Like that's the large part of their success is due to that. We that's where the podcast industry is today, right now. If your plan to get listeners is solely reliant on being on iTunes, being on Google Podcasts, being on Spotify, being on iHeartMedia. If your goal is to just only be in those places, I think that's good to be in those places. I think you should be in those places. But you got to have a, a distribution strategy, meaning like how are you really building your audience up? Are you collecting emails? Are you leveraging other people's email lists? What media partners do you have in place? So that way they can help share your content. You know what I'm saying? What nonprofits can you partner with? You know what I'm saying? Like nonprofits have audiences of have email lists of eight thousand plus people. Nonprofits got big lists. What are you doing to partner with them to like give them this content to spread out to their to their organization so they got quality content that they can share so just thinking outside of the box about your distribution now what are some like podcasts that we i mean you this could be a shameless plug i mean you could shout out your podcast if you want but i mean what other podcasts should we be listening to do you think should be on our our radar as entrepreneurs well I just started listening to this podcast um, again called Mixergy. Um, I used to listen to Mixergy back in the day. Uh, they, he used to have a website where he interviewed entrepreneurs. Um, and so, like, I really rock it. Mixergy is very consistent. It was hosted by this dude named Andrew Warner. All you do is just interview a whole bunch of entrepreneurs. He always asks hard questions. I really rock with that. Like, I would check out Mr. G, and I wouldn't just deal with whatever the new stuff is. I would go in his archives and see, like, yo, let me look at some of the past episodes and see what's popping, you know? Um, like, so that's the, that's the one I've been listening to, I would say, lately as an entrepreneur. Um, I really can't say I've been listening to anybody else. I, I, when I talk to a lot of black women who are entrepreneurs, a lot of them listen to my lead. Oh, I love her. Um, She's like my friend in my head. Yeah, like, but we also have like similar backgrounds though, like, because she's a former, you know, I'm a former publicist and she's a former publicist as well. So, like, I see a lot of myself and her, like, literally, like, we, our paths Mm -hmm. mirror, and I'm like, Malika, I get you. And I've been listening to Naval, N A V A L. Okay. Um, he was the founder of Angelus and um, also, you know, startups and raising money. And now his new his new wave is like on some philosophical type shit. Like, <laughs> so I don't know if everybody's gonna be into it, but you know, I think it, I think it's pretty dope. Like, I listen to it because I'm that's the wave I'm on right now. To be honest, 
And then the other thing that I like to listen to, which isn't necessarily a podcast, um, but I like to listen to meditations on YouTube. Hmm. So, like, I use, I go to YouTube, I put my headphones on, they got a whole bunch of different sound wave stuff, guided meditations, things like that. Um, and I just like to listen to, I got a few favorites, but for the most part, I always kind of, I'm always on a hunt for something new on YouTube that's on that wave. I think mindfulness and meditation and um, relax, like relaxation is um, our big, parts of, uh, of, of, of entrepreneurism growth. I agree. I agree. I, I, something I really want to incorporate into this podcast, and I, I honestly haven't figured out the best way to do it quite yet, is like wellness as a form of business development. Um, and like, that's so why I, I try to ask anybody who comes on the show, like, like, not just like how you did that, like, how did that feel? Like, did you feel like shit? Did you want to give up? Like, did you you know, experience a loss of enthusiasm when you were doing this? Like, did you go broke? Like, because people need to know those realities. And also that, like, you know, I, I don't feel like I started to kind of turn the corner with some of my ventures. And, you know, I've noticed this trend with other entrepreneurs as well, is that I, I felt like until I started taking care of myself, things didn't really take off for me the way I wanted them to. And so, like, even in doing this and this podcast, is like, you know, I've wanted to do a podcast for a really long time. And it's something people have always told me, oh, you should do, you should explore. But I, I didn't do it as a form of, like, self-development, self-care for myself. and didn't pursue it just because I was so focused on the grind. And so I had to take a step back and be like, okay, you know, I'm going to actually definitively do this for me. Um, so it's, I, I think it's great that you say, you know, you touch on meditation. That's the and best way to go about it. I- I would say this, if I had to give you any any tips on doing this podcast, you got to be super selfish. And what I mean by that, and I mean by in the right areas, not all the way around, but anybody you talk to, anybody you talk to on this podcast, you got to approach every interview like, yo, I need to know everything about you that's going to help me be successful. And do it from that point of view. Like, don't even, you know, because what's going to happen is nine times out of out of ten, the person listening, they are like you. So I think you don't even have to worry about, oh, is this question good for the listener? If it's good for you, then it's probably going to be good for the listener. Because if you got that hunger to learn, that hunger for knowledge, where you're going to follow up, you're going to ask all the questions and really, really try to get to the to the root of what you're trying to learn from that person you want to on the, on the podcast with, then you're going to end up with a very good podcast. I'll say that. I want it, I want it to be ultimately like intimate. I want it to, and I think my leak has done a good job of this. And I think this is why her podcast is so successful outside of just like resiliency. Like she's been doing this for a really, really long time, but I think, why a person like her is so successful is she has mastered the art of oversharing. I feel like that she is very intimate mm-hmm. about sharing details in her life that aren't always pretty. Like they're not always sexy. Like she talks about how she's not feeling well when, you know, how she's not feeling well when she's, you know, running this business sometimes, how she has an attitude was like how she doesn't like 
hiring and doing staffing stuff. How like she didn't think she was going to become a mother or at least didn't imagine she was going to be a mother at, you know, 38. I think she's 30, 30. I think she came pregnant at like 37, 38 years old. So, you know, I want to have those conversations with people not. And and it's kind of, I mean, it is honestly a little self-serving in that like, kind of want to talk to you guys anyway I probably should have called you <laughs> but now I'm just having a conversation with you over a podcast um and I actually try to like make a point to only invite people I know or I've actually had a conversation with like because I think the people around me are dope and they're doing really interesting things and we don't have enough honest human conversations about what we're going what we're going through, what we're experiencing, what we're feeling. Like, I mean, I'm dealing with anxiety too all the time. And it's something I constantly have to, you know, keep on in check. Um, but no one would know that from seeing me in articles, I think, you know, people see you in ink or wired or something like that. And it's just like, oh, you life's life's great. Right? Um, and it's not to say that life isn't. Um it's good, but you still might have anxiety. <laughs> um, but that, that's just the reality of entrepreneurship. And so I, I wanted to not only, you know, talk about, like, how we did things and how we got from the ground floor up to where we are right now, but, like, the pro- the mental development it takes along the way and, like, us, like, humanizing entrepreneurs, especially black entrepreneurs that, you know, we we might have some superhero powers, but, like, we're still humans at the end of the day, you know? So this is kind of going like totally left from my line of questioning, but I still want to talk about your book. Um, but um, I think what I want to do is uh, talk about uh, actually our listener submitted question. Every every person that comes to the show, I ask them a question from one of our listeners. Um, and so these are all real entrepreneurs and people who are growing their businesses and they're not necessarily in tech. Um, but I thought the question this week was really relevant to you in particular um, because they in partic- they asked about uh, books as resources. So I'll just read it to you and you can just give me your feedback on that and then we'll segment into your, you know, learning a little bit more about, you know, don't dumb down your, your greatness and you can tell us all about like why you wrote it. So my name is Aisha and I recently um, launched a property management company out of Philadelphia in January of this year. Thus far, we've been successful in securing two different properties and have plans to manage more over the next year. We're really excited about our new clients, but my partner and I are still both both working fairly demanding jobs as we grow the business. What are some tactics or recommendations you you would make in learning how to seamlessly balance both a day job and a new venture? And are there any books or resources you might recommend in, for enduring entrepreneurship? I mean, for me, uh, I think learning that balance of time, you know, I think we, we even just talked about this earlier in the interview. It just means, yo, you're going to have to put more time in it. You know, like, I think sometimes we want to live the entrepreneur life and not sacrifice. And that's not to say that that's what this young lady is saying she won't do. I'm speaking in general. And it sounds like that's where, to me, I think it just you have to give up some weekends. You have to give up some nights, you know, instead of watching. Give up nights, I mean, not watching TV. You'd be surprised how much time you have when you come home from work between when you come home and then, like, when you actually go to bed. You know, I did a survey on myself about um, not too long ago where I was just really paying attention and, like, what am I doing with my time? Like, how much Netflix am I watching? 
you know, like, what am I doing on the weekends? Like, where, what am I doing when I'm chilling and relaxing? Like, and then, so once you do a survey on your time, find the spots that you can add in work to your business. Find those spots, you know, and I think that's the key. As far as books, um, I was, there's a book called The Productivity Cure that I read not too long ago, which was pretty good. Um, but then there's also a book called Extreme Ownership uh, that's written by these two Navy SEALs. I thought that was a really good management book, and I think that would be, like, really helpful for the mindset. So. And what about your book? Oh, yeah, I was going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> In my book, of course. No, the, why did you why did you why did you write the book? Cuz I mean, you know, I, I see so many entrepreneurs writing books well, and that My book doesn't necessarily talk about those things that I mentioned um that she she's um not at least directly. Indirectly, yeah. You know, um I wrote the book because I wanted like to give the younger version myself of myself a manual on how to navigate this world. Um, you know, when I became an entrepreneur, there was a lot of things I had to learn the hard way. And honestly, there's still things I'm learning the hard way. So this isn't an end-all, be-all book where you're going to learn everything you need to know. That's not what this book is. But there were some things where I was like, wow, like, I didn't know how to deal with failure. I didn't know how to deal with self-doubt. I didn't know how to tell a hater, uh, tell the difference between a hater and somebody who was criticized. You know, I didn't know how to set goals. You know, like, these are all things. I didn't know how to create a morning routine. I didn't know how to create values and, and principles for myself. Like, these are things that I cover in that book where it was like, yo, if I had known these things a little bit sooner, Yo, I'd probably be, you know, I mean, I don't know where I would be, but I know it, I probably would have been even more unstoppable than, than I am now. Well, I feel that. Well, you know, I'm definitely going to push it to our, our listeners. We'll include a link to the book um, on um, our page and, and the actual, um, when we list the podcast and everything like that. So we'll include it and make sure that everybody routes it to it. But where can everybody, I assume we can find it on Amazon, but if there's any place else they can find it, where would they be able to find the book and where could they find you on your social channels? Um, you can find a book on Amazon, uh, Walmart.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, anywhere you, I don't want to say anywhere you buy books. <laughs> but Somebody might pull up to their local bookstore. I like, I didn't even know. Basically, mostly all the places you could buy books online. Okay. And what about your social media handles? So, um, and then on social media, you can find me at Anthony Fraser. That's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-F-R-A-S-I-E-R. Um, at Anthony Fraser on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, don't hit me up on Facebook. I don't want to say that and people still insist on adding me on Facebook. Like, I don't log in to Facebook. Please do not do that on Facebook. Yo, if you send me a message on Facebook, I will not see it. 
to like three months later. And that is that it go they go to like your other inbox and stuff and then people will pull up on you in person and be like, I sent you a message on Facebook. And you be like people assume Facebook is a shortcut. But it's not. It's actually a longer way to get to me. Like you better off DMing me on on Instagram, Twitter, or sending me an email. If you hit me up on Facebook, it's gonna be a while. If you hit me up on LinkedIn, it's gonna be a while. But but those are the uh, those are the two things. All right, well y'all y'all heard that, so take notes. Don't slide in his Facebook DMs. I'm not trying to hear that. Y'all email this man. Hit him up on Instagram. Hit him up on Twitter. But Anthony, I think we had a great conversation today. I'm really appreciative you came coming of you coming on the show, and I think this is going to be really helpful for our listeners. And I think it was you know really good affirmation for me personally, and that you know knowing that. You're not, I'm not alone out here. Everyone's going through the same thing. So thanks again for coming on the show. And um, we look forward to seeing what's next with ABF. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me this platform. I don't take it lightly. Of course. Of course. Thanks for listening to MVP. If you'd like to hear more from me or our guests, visit mvpodcast.substack.com for exclusive content, updates, and announcements. And if you love the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Or follow us on Instagram at the Amanda Span and MV Podcast. Thanks again, and see you next week.